0: The following is a hoop bowl presentation. What is going on? It is the Hoop Ball Clippers Podcast coming at you on a Saturday afternoon after the Los Angeles Clippers are on life support, but they slowly are coming off of life support with a win over the Dallas Mavericks in game number three. Of course, it wouldn't be a weekend without Justin Wilson, LA Clippers film, joining me on the podcast. Justin, how are you feeling right now? Because I know last night took a lot out of me.
1: It <laughs> took a lot out of me too. Um, I was pretty exhausted. That was an emotional roller coaster. But um you know, the, the season was on the line and, you know, I couldn't have been more proud of the way that we responded. So, um, you know, exhausted, but, like, even more excited for Game 4, because whoever wins Game 4 will probably win the series, and so as big as Game 3 was, and the Clippers did some things that um, that was pretty encouraging, so as big as Game 3 was, Game 4 is even bigger. So, looking forward to Game 4. Um, tired, but, like, you know, ready to get even more tired tomorrow watching it.
0: I think you're spot on there. I really do think that whoever wins tomorrow wins the series. If the Clippers go down 3-1, I don't think there's any coming back from that. Obviously, they had it done to them um, with Denver. But I just don't think that it'll happen. And if the Clippers are able to win tomorrow, I would assume that means the adjustments have been made and that Dallas most likely is not going to be able to win two of the next three against the Clippers. Because, I mean, we've talked about it at nauseam um, on Twitter and just in general about the three-point shooting of the Dallas Mavericks. And at some point, you would think it's going to come down to earth. I was talking to Adam Oslin on Twitter yesterday, and I said to him, you know that if the Clippers lose to Dallas, that Dallas is going to go and face Utah if that's their matchup. And they're going to go and shoot 30% from three. It's just the way things work. You know that's going to happen, considering that Dallas was not a great three-point shooting team during the regular season, and all of a sudden they're going crazy. So it's just one of those things, man, where you're hitting Dallas at the worst possible time because they're not missing a damn three. They were 20 of 39 last night, and they lost the game by 10. It's just hard to fathom how the Clippers got a win with their opponent making 23s and shooting over 50%. It's wild, man. I can't believe it.
1: Well, you gotta. For one, I think the winner of Game Four wins the series because Dallas has already won twice on the Clippers' home floor. Yeah. So um, I don't. I think if it's the series is two two, I don't. It just doesn't seem likely to me that they'll win three games. The Clippers will lose three times on their home floor. I just don't see that happening. So um, I, I don't know. That's how. That's how I kind of uh, view that. But, yeah, man, the three-point shooting in this series for Dallas has been, like, you know, they're shooting, like, 20 percentage points better than expected on open shots. So even if the Clippers' defense was, like, drop-dead awful, which it hasn't been, they are still massively overperforming on their three-point shooting, like— they are shooting 50% from three in the series and the Clippers defense hasn't been the greatest, but it hasn't been like high school level bad, which is what it would have to be in order for, for that to be like the reason why the Mavericks is shooting so good from three. So like for me, it's just been about getting on the board so that you can extend this series long enough to where regression, even just a slight regression can come into play because at if the Dallas Mavericks are shooting 40% from three, which would be a drastic uptick from what they did in a regular season, just 40% from three. And the Clippers are probably the ones up 2 one right now because they're getting an all time series from Kawhi and Paul George and their offensive efficiency has been. A little bit better than what it was in the regular season, but the Clippers are an elite offensive team, and they are an elite three-point shooting team. Dallas is not the greatest three-point shooting team of all time, you know what I mean? Which is what they're performing at right now. So um, hopefully, by starting in Game Four, we can get we can see some sort of regression, and the Clippers can start to build some like some like separation from this team.
0: I'm going to be giving some stats throughout this podcast, and we're talking about three-pointers. And this one is from Justin Russo, who did an incredible job um, picking up some of these stats, at Fly By Night on Twitter. The Mavericks on three-pointers this season. In the regular season, on tight to very tight contested three-pointers, they shot 30%. They were 88 of 291. So they were 30% on tight to very tight contested. In the postseason, they're at 50 Percent, So that is 20 percentage points greater than what they were in the regular season. In open to wide open threes, which obviously, wide open threes, you would assume that they're going to make. They were at 37% during the regular season. That's not great. Um, you'd expect them to probably be a little bit better. So maybe that 30% is a little low. In the postseason, they're at 50.5%. That's over 13 percentage points greater than what they were in the regular season. So to state the obvious, Dallas is overachieving from three. It is very hard to make a shot in general in the NBA. You don't really have many guards or any, many forwards that shoot threes that shoot over 50%. It just doesn't happen in general, 50% from the fields. And that's including layups. That's including jumpers from within seven to nine feet, but to have a 50% mark from three it's incredible, and there's a lot that we can talk about when it comes to Dallas's three-point shooting, Justin, but it really does seem, and it's it could be very simple, you just got to hope that they start missing because they're overachieving. They're shooting greater than what they did in the regular season, and you're just hitting them at the wrong time. Is that correct?
1: Partly. Partly. Um, here's another stat for you. Tim Hardaway Jr. shot... 39 percent from three in the regular season which is fantastic he had a really good shooting year he is shooting 65 percent from three on eight attempts a game through through this series so far wow he that 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 is astronomical that's crazy he is 15 for 23 in the series and like tim hardaway jr is not taking like spot up wide open threes he's coming off of pin downs he's shooting from like 25 feet so like some of these threes you just can't there's nothing you can do about them like you know i know everybody was jumping on zoo and for for his defense on luca but like luca did i i clipped the a play of Luca hitting a three on Nicholas Batum the same way some of these threes are like yeah whatever that's we whatever like there's nothing you can do about them but there are some things that the Clippers can clean up in regards to Dallas's shooting as far as like over um I do think that as we Continue to get better offensively I thought game three was by far And away our best offensive game You kind of saw that especially in the fourth quarter As we get better Offensively We make their threes feel A little bit more pressure And I felt like yesterday was the first Game in the series where um, We kind of Brought pressure to the series Dallas was playing free and easy the whole entire time And I think that As we move to game four you'll see more of that um just bringing that added element of pressure into the series could maybe invite some variance and some regression um and i just think in general while there isn't anything we can do about some of their threes i think the best we can do is two things one we can control what we can control which is like if Porzingis is posted up against Paul George or whoever there's no need to help there by helping you invite an open three and as we've seen so far Dallas is making those open threes at an astronomical rate but we're shooting ourselves in the foot when we help for no reason so being cognizant of making sure to stick to the game plan which is to make Luca a scorer, which is to make Chris that Porzingis a scorer, one on one. And if they are scoring one-on-one, so be it. But you don't want to overhelp leading to open threes to their shooters. And number two, our offense. Our offense is, in a lot of ways, our best defense. And when our offense is clicking, um, we're the best offensive team in the league. And that alone makes offense for the other team harder.
0: So we got a question on Twitter from your boy, Young Trill and he asked hey, that's my guy and he asked a question he goes what were some notable, notable defensive adjustments you saw in game 3 i got to tell you what i saw and mike fratello obviously pointed it out and he did it on several different possessions and it's very obvious and it seemed to make a difference and i want to get your take on what you thought about the clippers doing this they have been switching every single time whenever reggie jackson or pat beverly was being put on a screen or something like that. It, whatever it took, they were getting switched and they were getting killed. So finally, the Clippers decided to do a hard show with Reggie Jackson where he would double on the ball, put his hand up, go hard, and then back up so that it avoided them getting Reggie Jackson on Luka or on Jalen Brunson. It worked really well. Dallas did score a couple of times when that happened but i thought that the looks that they were getting were much more difficult when they were doing that what do you what are your thoughts about that
1: so i think
0: um this is
1: this is kind of a uh, a tricky point because i don't think the clippers throughout this series have wanted to put reggie jackson on like luka doncic i think in a perfect world um, they would have, they would have loved to have showed on Luca hard like you saw in Game Three. I'm, I say that to say that's not necessarily a new concept. It's just that they executed it really well in Game Three, and I think part of that was because Luka Doncic started fading down a stretch. He was getting fatigued, and he's and hurt so- by the way.
0: And now, now that we know as we record this podcast, he's hurt and he's questionable yeah. for tomorrow. So definitely, injury has something to do with it. But continue.
1: Yeah. So. So, for a variety of reasons, um it, you would see Luka Doncic you try to use um, Reggie Jackson's man as a screener. Reggie would show, and they'd stop. Then Luca would try once, and then once he saw that Reggie Jackson didn't willingly switch, he'd go to something else. And so, credit the Clippers. That is, that is something that the Clippers have tried to do, but, you know— Showing and recovering is kind of hard. It's very hard because if if Luka Doncic goes hard around that screen, then sometimes there's no choice but to switch. But you kind of saw, especially in the second half, Luka did not – He did not challenge Reggie Jackson's show, and so he kind of let Reggie Jackson off the hook in a lot of ways. But I just thought, in general, the Clippers' defensive game plan wasn't all that different from games one, two, and three. In all honesty, I didn't see um, a drastic like change in game plan defensively. Um, They went smaller a lot more, right? Like they kind of took Zoo out of the um, lineup. Um, They didn't start him in the second half. Um, He came out after just three minutes. So that's something that I'm interested in seeing is if game four, um, Zeus starts because he didn't start in the second half of game three and he only played like one shift. So that's something I'm interested in seeing. But in general, I just didn't see a drastic difference in defense. What I felt they did do a better job was of, is making Luca a score that I still think they can do a better job in that regard, but they did hone in on that strategy, which is just let Luca score. We can win with Luca having big nights. It's the other guys that, um, that are going to kill us if we allow them to get into the game. And they still did. But going back to my earlier point, the Clippers biggest asset in this series is their offense. The Dallas Mavericks cannot stop the Clippers, and they have no chance in hell at stopping the Clippers. And you kind of, um, I'll, I'll sorry for being long winded. By no, the way, no, no, you're all but, good. But like, if you watch like the beginning of the game, right? We, I think we were down like 11-0 or something like that. We yeah. got an avalanche of three pointers, and people are pointing at the defense. And my retort is that he's making fadeaway threes. The problem was that in the beginning of the game, we were getting, like, um, offensive fouls, we weren't getting shots at the rim, and we were down 30 to 11. Like, we did, we weren't scoring. And so, if you look at, again, in our fourth quarter, we were scoring the ball at an Incredibly efficient clip we were getting open threes from um, Marcus Morris Reggie Jackson. It was really looking and feeling like Pete Clippers offense And so for me the biggest defensive adjustment If if you ask me was us getting our best offensive game of the series and I feel like once we get into our automatics and once we start to really look like ourselves on offense, that alone will help our defense because that's better floor balance because we're getting good shots. Um, If we're scoring the way we're scoring, that puts a lot of pressure on Dallas to make shots. And I think the added element of pressure can aid in speeding up the regression from the Dallas Mavericks. So for me, um, the biggest adjustment was that we finally looked like ourselves for the most part on offense, even if we had some outlier performances like at the rim. I don't think Kawhi and Paul George missed a single shot at the rim, mm-hmm. but in general, like you kind of saw us finally like getting pick and roll action where like Rondo was um getting into like the middle of the lane, kicking out. Um, you know, Tyloo, Tyloo has the phrase paint and spray, hitting the paint and then spraying out to our shooters. We finally look like that. We finally looked like the best version of ourselves, and that, to me, was the biggest adjustment. Not so much the defense. I don't think we did something too dramatically different defensively.
0: It's funny because normally you say that good defense will lead to offense. It's normally how basketball works. You play good defensively. Normally it'll lead to the offense, but this is actually the reverse, where the Clippers' offense is helping them because by producing as well as they are, they're putting pressure on Dallas when Dallas has the ball, which is making the offense for them a little more difficult because they can't be as free-flowing when each possession yeah, actually exactly. means something. So, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I'm glad you actually brought that up. And the Clippers' offense has obviously been really good, and this is when I'll bring in some more stats. Shane Young, at Young YoungNBA, on Twitter, who wrote a great article, by the way, on Forbes. So go ahead and check it out. I'm going to uh, bring up some stats a little bit later from that article. But to tell you what the Clippers are doing in this series, they're... Offensive rating in the half court is the best in the playoffs right now. They're at 115.2, which is outstanding. At the rim, they're shooting 74.5%. Floater range, 52%. Long twos, 55%. Three-pointers, non-heaves, they're at 36%. Dallas is at 53.5%. Wide open three. That's the series. Yep, that's the series. Uh, Clippers, wide open threes, 38.3%. Dallas, 58.5%, 20%, Jesus. 20% better on wide open threes. And then frankly, where the Clippers have gotten lucky is that Dallas has missed a lot of free throws. In this series, the Clippers are shooting 85.5%. Dallas is at 66%. Luka has per- started to put himself into territory. um he luka territory. He's been really bad. If he's going to go ahead and make one of two or not make either, you're better off fouling him than letting them shoot and make a three on a possession. Because gu- guess what? Three is greater than one or two and a three gives you a hell of a lot more momentum than making one free throw. So it's getting to that point. Um, It's not going to happen, but it's getting to that point where things are getting silly with Luke up the free throw line that that very well could happen. So the Clippers offense has been really good. And we talk about defensive adjustments and it brings me to an adjustment that was made before the game even started, Justin. And Uh. we were trying to figure out who was going to be in the starting lineup. And we knew that there were going to be changes. We just didn't know what. I speculated initially that it would be Reggie Jackson and Nick Batum for Morris and Pat Bev. Turns out it was just one of those. It was Reggie Jackson for Pat Bev. Clippers Twitter was not thrilled when they found out about the, that news. But I got to tell you, man, when PG and Kawhi were the only ones that were scoring, the Clippers needed a third option. And until the fourth quarter that option was Reggie Jackson, man. I'm absolutely, I got to give some credit to Reggie Jackson and what he was able to do in the starting lineup. I know you were not happy with him starting. What were your thoughts after watching a game of him in the starting lineup?
1: So I still think that like on aggregate, I don't know how I feel about like um, Reggie Jackson. It's not so much starting. It's that he's playing like, this is his second consecutive game of, Playing 30 minutes or more yeah. Which is just a ton of That's a ton of minutes for Reggie Jackson Um, I would love if like Maybe like that gets Chopped down a little bit and you could like Put give some of those minutes to Nick Batum Who I wish could play more And you give a couple of more minutes to Rondo mm-hmm. But in general You know I don't think there's any Question about Reggie Jackson's Ability as a shooter um, He has turned himself Into a Dynamo knockdown shooter and that has value that definitely has value and one thing that Reggie Jackson has that like you just you have to give credit to is that he's not afraid he's not afraid and like when you get into these moments you kind of need somebody with some juice with the ball that can do some things and is not afraid and that to me um and that, to me, was, like, one of the biggest reasons why we were able to stimulate the tide. I'm, I think when Dallas came out on fire, Reggie was the one who kind of broke the seal for us with, like, a, a a rack attack, and he went right to the rim. And, you know, the defense is probably where it's going to be most concerning, and it's kind of like Russian roulette. You know what I mean? Like, this, the sample size of a playoff series is so small that, like— you may be able to get away with Reggie Jackson if he's shooting well enough. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's ultimately what it comes down to, right? If he's making shots and if he's making good decisions on offense, you can live with the defensive ineptness. Um, If he's not, then, you know, you have to, you have to adjust. And I was talking with a friend earlier today and I said, um, you don't, when it comes to evaluating coaching, right? They, are gonna make decisions that you either agree with or don't agree with. That is far less important than whether or not the coach will adjust if it's not working, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, if Re- what what happens if Reggie Jackson is blowing like three straight assignments, or if Luka Doncic is actively seeking Reggie Jackson and it's not working, is Ty willing to adjust? And I think he is, right? He adjusted with Patrick Beverly, and I think. Um, he adjusted with Zoo at halftime, mm-hmm. and so that willingness to adjust supersedes everything. And that's the biggest thing that I was optimistic about with Ty, and he showed that in the um, in Game Three, in the biggest game of the season. But um, for me, yeah i I am a Reggie Jackson fan, especially of his shooting. I'm I'm just not a fan of his defense, and I don't know how I feel about. Ty Lue leaning this far into the Reggie Jackson experience at like what did he
0: play 34 minutes last night yeah he played uh, 34 minutes yep yeah that's 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 listen if i told you
1: if i told you like let's just say like three weeks ago that i told you reggie jackson would play 34 minutes yeah. way more than zoo way more than rondo way more than pat beverly way more than terrence man way almost as much as like uh marcus morris play if i told you that we would be like what the hell <laughs> you know what i mean And so if we're fortunate enough to get out of this round, I do wonder um, how that is going to work itself out because Reggie Jackson on the floor is going to be a defensive liability every round, but you know he shot forty percent on threes on high volume last night, mm-hmm. and that 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 is the trump card, man. And he the shooting is legit, the shooting is legit, and his fearlessness is legit, and those things you you're, you'll roll with every time.
0: Yeah, and he made both of his twos. It's crazy because if you were to find out that Reggie Jackson played the most minutes of any guy not named Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, he was tied with Marcus Morris for thirty four minutes, you would be thrown back against the wall. And you fall down and not know how to get back up. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's wild, but if he's able to make the shots that he made and he had a couple of big ones that really helped the Clippers when they were making their run, because they needed somebody to make a shot. And there was a time where he missed a wide open three. And I was like, God damn. I'm like, those are ones that you need to make. I mean, he, he missed one and Marcus Morris missed one that they make. and, And it's one of those things where you, you got so to make it
1: see Marcus. So glad to see Marcus sort of bounce back. Game Dude. Two.
0: So big. The, the Clippers don't win. If Marcus Morris is shooting the way that he shot in games one and two, because he's getting those open looks in the corner. He just wasn't making them. And so finally he's able to make them. And he scores 15 points, six of nine from the field, three of five from three. So just absolutely massive. And it's funny. Cause you bring up the halftime um, adjustment I don't think, and I could be blowing smoke out of my ass, but I'm pretty sure with about 95% confidence that if it wasn't for any injury, I don't think Doc Rivers ever made a change at halftime and started something different than what he started with at the beginning of the game. I just mm. it, normally it's it's one of those things you go with the five starters that started the ball game to start the third quarter. But Ty Lue said, you know what? Screw it. Zoo is not working. And to your point, he made the sub early on in the first quarter after he saw Zoo getting roasted again on Luca. And again, like you said before, they're not easy shots that Luca's making, but it's the process and the ability that Luca knows he can get that matchup and it gives him confidence. If you're able to show I, him something different, that is what I want to see. Because I know what you're saying in that they're difficult shots that were being made initially to get them that 11-0 run, but you got to show them something different because they're getting comfortable they're starting to see and know what's coming and it's just giving them way too much of just ability to stay comfortable on the perimeter.
1: This is like, and, and so obviously with, it goes without saying that like Lu has forgotten more basketball than I have. I know. Yeah. So I, that goes without saying. Um, I just like, you know, I made I had a tweet when Luca started the game like four four from three. And I, I tweeted, make him score seventy.
0: And I responded, and, he's going to and they're gonna lose.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like and he didn't score seventy, but he scored 44 points yeah. and they lost. Yeah. Which is the gist of in the spirit of what I was trying to get at, which yeah. is that like, you know, when he's going off like that, right? That's not gonna kill you. What's gonna kill you is that if you don't, you don't, your offense is bogged down and you're getting offensive fouls and turnovers, right? Like, that's what was killer. Like, he he rushed out to, like, an 11-0 run to start the game. And, like, the real issue wasn't that, like, he was making tough threes over Zoo. It was that we had zero points. Yeah. And he went three of nine after going four of four from the three point line from that point on. And two of those threes came when the game was basically already decided. And I just think that like, that's the model. That's the model that we're going to have to lean into, um, moving forward for game four and game five and hopefully game six, um, We can win with Luka Doncic going crazy like we can win and we've proven it time and time again over the last two series against the Mavericks that we can sustain Luka a a hot Luka night where he scores 40 50 points because it's more important that our offense is in order and that we check everyone else we check everyone else and make sure that they're not scoring so um I say all that to say, I don't know if I would have pulled the plug on zoo that quickly. Um, but honestly, like it was an elimination game and you kind of can't risk it. Right. So like, I'm not, I, I'm not mad at Ty Lue for that, but like, if we're fortunate enough to um, get past this round and if the jazz are our second round opponent, then like you definitely can't take them off the floor then. Right. And that's, that's Rudy Gobert. So, I guess that's a bridge we'll cross if and when we do get there. But in general, I'm just of the theory that if someone is taking like fall away threes over a seven footer contested, if that's the best offense that Dallas is getting against us, then long term, I'm not sure that you can win like that. And once once Dallas Finally, which hopefully will start in game four, once they finally start regressing, once the role players finally start regressing from three, then you'll really see how hard it is to win a game off of Luka Doncic step back threes. So I just the thing about Luka, he has this this trait that's like not quantifiable. His threes feel more demoralizing than they actually are. Yeah. At least in my opinion, like they feel like, oh my God, we got to do something. He's four four from three. And it's like, you just have to stay the course, man. Like it's, it's, it takes a lot of courage to stick, stick with the game plan in the face of adversity. And for me, that's, that's where I lean to. Um, whether so, but let me, to wrap up my point, <laughs> whether, well, whether zoo is in the game or not. Yeah, it's more important that we stick to the game plan of making him a scorer Make him score 70 points make him score 60 point on us It's more important that Tim Hardaway jr. Doesn't go four of six from three again um, Maxi Kleba doesn't go four of seven on three again It doesn't it that's more important to me than Luka Doncic doing whatever because like 40 50 points is not enough to beat the Clippers Especially if our offense is humming and we can get whatever we want against the Dallas match That's one of the biggest revelations um, through the first three games as well.
0: Yeah, we'll get to that. Um, But to put a bow on your point, I think that in a logical sense, what you're saying makes perfect sense. And you're spot on not to overreact when they're taking a fall away three over zoo. But in a small sample size, and in this was a must win game, you had to do something different to show them something different. So that they weren't looking at the same deck of cards every single possession. They're looking at something a little bit different because they had confidence knowing, oh, zoo's on the floor. And it ju- there's something within them that they were able to take advantage. And Luka was able to make those shots. I know they were difficult shots, but you had to do something different. And you had to get your body into them. That was the biggest thing that I thought the Clippers didn't do defensively. They weren't getting into the guys. Terrence Mann came in. He said, F F you. And he's pushing and shoving. Marcus Morris.
1: me some Terrence, Dude,
0: absolutely. I mean, these guys were showing some energy and getting into the bodies. Forget shooting over players. Get into the bodies and frustrate them. And that's what they did. Before we go forward, though, the Clippers are minus three. If you look at the odds for tomorrow's game, that means that Vegas thinks that the Clippers are going to win by three. If you think that's going to be a winner... I know where you can bet. MyBookie.ag. Their rep is rock solid. They've got the best odds, contests, and promotions in the business. Whether you want to bet on NBA playoff basketball, NHL hockey in the playoffs, whether you want to bet on college football when that starts back up, the NFL, whether you want to play blackjack, they've got everything going on. If you want some help, also you can help the guys of the Hoopball Gaming Department. They do a tremendous job. Devin heads up that department. Sign up, enter the promo code Hoopball, get your deposit matched halfway up to a thousand bucks. Enter the promo code Hoopball. Head over to my bookie if you want to add a little excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best. Bet with my bookie. So, before the game, Law of the Athletic posted, or he made, he constructed a tweet that I found was fascinating, and he said, "I wonder what happens to Pat Beverly's minutes now that Reggie Jackson is starting. You know Rondo's going to play, and you know Man's going to play, and you look at the box score." Pat Beverly played six minutes. He did not play in the second half. It is crazy, Justin, that we are sitting here after the Clippers just beat the Mavs in a do or die game three. And frankly, the two players not named Kawhi and Paul George that we thought were the two most important players in the roster combined to play 17 minutes in this game. (laughs) Zoo played 11, Pat Beverly played 6. What did the Clippers do about Pat Beverly going forward? Because he was picked on defensively, which is something you never think you would see with Pat Beverly. His offense, he had 2 points in 6 minutes. It's a really small sample size. He missed his open 3. I just think that if Reggie Jackson's playing the way he is, Terrence Mann has to get minutes now with the energy he's giving you. Rondo has to get minutes. There may not be a place in this series for Pat Bev. What do the Clippers do with Pat Beverly if you are Coach Ty Lue, Justin?
1: Um, I think you do exactly what you did in Game 3. Um, it, there's no time to mess around. Um, I think Pat Bev is clearly not himself. Um, and I feel like he's clearly not confident in his shot. Um, Dallas isn't even guarding him on a shot. And like, you know, this is, this is what's being a team player is all about. Um, if we're able to make a deep playoff run at some point, we'll need Patrick Beverly. And it may not be in this series, right? The best route towards winning this series may be for Patrick Beverly to be a rotation guy who comes in because of foul trouble or something like that. Otherwise, he doesn't play. That may be his role. And that role has value, right? It's Everybody has value. It's all about, a, it's all about being a part of a team mm-hmm. and being a part of something that's bigger than yourself. And um, credit to Pat. I saw a quote. In which he told, um, yesterday, he told Ty Lu, whatever you need me to do, coach. Yeah. Um. And he was very much so engaged. And like, you know, same with Zoo. And like, I think Ty Lu said Zoo was one of his favorite players to coach. And that's what the playoffs are all about, right? Like, it's never going to be perfect in the playoffs. Because teams scout you. Teams know your weakness. You play these teams over and over again. So at a certain point they know everything you're going to do. And so you have to be malleable. And part of being malleable is like taking guys out of the rotation that just aren't working. And, and I, I, I think unequivocally taking Pat out the rotation was the right move. Um, you just can't play that many guards anyway, especially small guards when Luka Doncic is playing 40 minutes a night. And the evidence was clear that um, on both ends of the floor, this just wasn't a series Patrick beverly So kudos to um um kudos to Ty for making that um adjustment because what seems easy to us, like just take somebody out of the lineup. There are relationships, there's interpersonal locker room dynamics that are at play. Um, and it takes a lot of courage and gumption to go up to someone who's been your starter to say, you know what, I don't think this series is for you. Um, I'm gonna go in another direction. And it takes courage from both sides to make that work. So um, kudos to Pat, kudos to Zoo, and um, and a big shout out to um, Ty for like all,
0: everybody. Just it's a team. That's the one thing about this Clippers team. I mean, there's obviously more, but there's one thing that really stands out with this team versus last year's team. Everybody just gets along in the locker room. It's harmonious. They're playing for each other instead of just playing for themselves. And it's always been a, all right, you need me to sit back and sit on the bench, Reggie Jackson? Oh, you need me to start now if you're Reggie Jackson? These guys are accepting of their role. And I've been saying all season that the one big difference between this team and last year's team is everybody has a role. And in this case, if you're not going to play in a game, you're going to be ready if your name is called in the next one and that's one thing the Clippers have done so well this season time and time again that no matter what this team has players that may not play in one game but they're sure as hell ready to play in the next game or in this case the series after and so that I give credit to Ty Lu, that is very much man management as part of a head coach and he does that very very well. So kudos to him. I'll be curious to see what happens tomorrow because Pat Beverly played six minutes and I think he's just a little too wild and reckless for this series. Uh, We'll see what happens. We'll see if Luca plays. I'm assuming Luca will play. Um, But just one of those things where you got to make a decision and supposedly Tyloo is going to stick with the same starting five that he went with yesterday. And if that's the case, then a big decision is going to be made pretty early with zoo And if he's the zoo that you saw in the third quarter that was blocking shots and getting rebounds and getting offensive rebounds, more importantly, and fighting like a bully down low, that zoo can play in this series. But if he's the zoo that is not getting rebounds on the defensive side and is not making his shots when he gets the opportunity because he was one of three yesterday, then that zoo doesn't have a place in this series. So I'll be curious to see how short the hook is on him.
1: Yeah. And I mean, ultimately, the hook with Zoo is going to be determined by whether or not Luka Doncic wants to shoot like Luka Doncic or shoot like Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. That's 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 really what it boils down to. Um, and, and like, unfortunately, for unfortunately for Zoo, there's not much he can do about that. Like, right. Right. Like Luka Doncic through three games is um I'm I'm going to pull it up right now because I don't want to mince my words here. I want to be as exact as possible, but Luka Doncic through three playoff games against the Clippers is shooting 46% from three on 12 attempts a game. Yeah, that is, that is literally Damian Lillard, Steph Curry territory. And I don't know if they can even do that. And so, we we get on zoo talking about how this may not be his series but like man that's insane and so i guess like if zoo, if luka doncic misses then zoo can play and if luka doncic makes it then you know that'll put pressure on Ty to uh, adjust but um we'll see um I think at this point, every game, you're going to have to assume that Luka Doncic is going to shoot like a regular human. And if he doesn't, then you adjust. But, like, he's on borrowed time, man. This, this is insane. Like, this is yeah. literally, like, an outer body experience. He's a great player. But he shot 35% from three this year. He shot 31% from three last year. These threes are contested, too. So, like, you know, Zo's minutes are going to be tied to whether or not Luka Doncic wants to be Steph Curry or not.
0: You know what the 7 for 13 is for Luka? When I say that? Yeah, se- 7 for 13. You would say yeah. shooting from three, right? How about it? Was right. also his freaking free throws. He was seven of thirteen. The guy is shooting as well from three as he is from the free throw line, bro. That doesn't happen. It's just well, it's just one of those things where a, a good and you tweeted this yesterday. A good three point shooter is not that garbage from the free throw line. It's, thank you. At thank some you. point, it's got to even out.
1: Thank you. Like like, and that's that's how you know that like. I, and I don't mean this as a like to Luka Doncic no not at all That's how you know but that's how you Know these first three games at least That part of his game has been a fluke yeah. Right like he's making He's making insane Shots at an insanely Efficient clip yeah and That's why it was so important to Give for the Clippers to win yesterday That got us at least two more Games and one of those two Games Luka Doncic is going to come Back to earth and and him coming back to earth is still elite, but like he's, this is insane. He's, he's like, he's Superman right now, you know? So,
0: yeah. And um, then you look at the role players, by the way, and you mentioned it earlier, Tim Hardaway, junior four of six, Maxi Kleba four for seven Brunson four for six. And Dorian Finney Smith was for three. I mean, three of the four guys shooting well from three, you would assume two out of the four would do well, but when three out of the four do it, it, it's, it's crazy. I want to bring up a couple other, lineups that I thought were interesting um, from what um, was in that Forbes article that the Jackson, George, Leonard, Batum, and Morris lineup got 12 minutes. They were 11 of 16 from the field. That's good. That's really good. However, that lineup was outscored by eight points in those 12 minutes because Dallas did not miss a shot. So Shane said that that's one of the lineups that Shane put in his article. It's crazy because that goes back to zoo where you can shoot as well as you can. And if you're giving up points, then you're screwed. But the difference with zoo is that the Clippers weren't scoring. And so because of that, that's why zoo was taken out. And then the other lineup that, and this will kind of transition into my next point, the Rondo, Reggie Jackson, which, by the way, uh, Ty Luce said he didn't like when Reggie Jackson... Or actually, no, it was Pat Bev. He didn't like when Pat Bev was on the floor. I think it was with with Rondo. He's with the Rondo-Jackson-Leonard-George-Morris lineup. The Clippers surrounded Rondo with four shooters. That lineup was seven of eight from the floor and outscored the Mavs by eight points. And that brings me to what happened when that lineup was on the floor. What happened was... Luca, and not part of me when Rondo was the point guard and he was the one setting the screen for Kawhi that opened up a flurry of options for the Clippers offense. I'm assuming you saw this. Uh, Shane did a great yep. breakdown um, putting the plays in his article for Forbes that offense. How sustainable is it for the Clippers to continue to do that? And I want to ask you as somebody that's played the game How easy will it be for Dallas to make the adjustment on the defensive end there?
1: It won't be easy at all. And that, that is sustainable. Um, Whether they make or miss that isn't sustainable, but what you saw With Rondo playing um, out of a small, small, we call that small, small pick and rolls. Um, That's something that Ty Lue has been preaching all year. And that's something that they've been working on all year with their guards to set real screens so that they can force that switch, which forces a chain reaction of sorts. And Rondo did an excellent job of actually putting his body on a defender to make contact to set that screen. And you don't want to leave your your small guard on Kawhi Leonard, so you fight over, but fighting over allows Kawhi Leonard to pass that ball to, uh, to Rajon Rondo. And now Rajon Rondo has the ball in space and somebody has to come commit to him and that's what creates the chain reaction so it's a really smart way to take advantage of rajan rondo's lack of shooting right um in games one and two dallas didn't really honor rondo off the ball so the clippers smartly put rondo involved in the action in the form of a screener he's basically he's basically a center Um, In those scenarios, which sounds weird to say about Rajon Rondo, but like, yeah, he was basically the center setting the screen rolling and then making plays out of short roll. And that's very sustainable. And that's a big reason why the Clippers had the best offense in the NBA. And ultimately, what what's most sustainable about it is that that lineup, especially at the end of the game, can defend. Right? Rondo is a plus defender. Marcus Morris, you can get away with, is a plus defender. Obviously, Kawhi and Paul George are plus defenders. And um, it's ironic because on the other end of the floor, Dallas is going to look to do the same thing. Um, it's basically just matchup hunting where Jalen Brunson is guarding Rajon Rondo. You're trying to get Jalen Brunson on Kawhi Leonard. Um, Dallas doesn't want to do that. So they tra- kind of trap the screen, and that leads to an open shot for us. On the other end of the floor, they're gonna try to do gonna try to do the same thing with Rich Jackson. So it's a matter of being able to not get screened and then make contact on the other end. But to answer your question, I think it's very sustainable because the Clippers have high IQ vets, they have a ton of shooting around Kawhi and Paul George, and it's just one of the more um it's one of the hardest plays to defend in a league when you have that much shooting on the floor with which the Clippers do, because the moment you put two on the ball with Kawhi Leonard, um, you're cooked because Marcus Morris is in one corner. Paul George is in another corner. Reggie Jackson is in the slide and it's just like, it's shooting everywhere. And that's what, and Rick Carlisle actually commented on it today during his pressure. It's a really hard play to defend. It's simple. But when you have that much shooting around um, essentially Rajon Rondo, um, it's it's really tough to defend. Definitely sustainable.
0: Yeah. Before we go forward, because there is one more thing I want to talk about. Father's Day is just around the corner, and you probably need a gift for a hairy dad. Make your dad proud this year. Get him and yourself the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right. Lawnmower 4.0. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HoopBall20 at Manscaped.com. I know you've brought out those scissors before you've made yourself bleed, whatever it is, whether it's cutting your neck, whether it's cutting below the waist, why mess with something that could be easily fixed? The fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. How is the lawnmower 4.0 different from other trimmers? Upgraded trimmer includes a multi function on off switch that can engage in a travel lock. It's a great feature. If your father or yourself do a lot of traveling also, The 400K or 4,000K LED spotlight, you can use that on and off. Of course, you've got the wireless charging safe system as well. Manscaped products are cruelty-free, paraben-free, dye-free, and vegan. Get 20% off and free shipping with code HOOPALL20 at manscaped.com. Once again, get your data gift you know they will use. So, Justin, we have now gone 47 minutes on this podcast, and we have not sung the praise of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Those two in this series have been absolutely, positively sensational. What the two of them have done, continuing time and time again, there are people that are saying, well, wait for Dallas to drop off and they're shooting to cool down. The one thing you got to be careful of on the Clippers end, Kawhi and PG are not going to shoot as well as they have every single game. Kawhi 13 of 17 yesterday. 11 of 18 for Paul George. That is 24 of 35. That is not sustainable. I know they're very good, but those are not <laughs> sustainable numbers. But that being said, Paul George, screw your pandemic pee, uh, P storyline. Screw anything you have to say about Paul George. The dude is a baller. And Kawhi Leonard, I saw you in, going to back and forth earlier today about people comparing him to Luca. Folks, that person
1: intentionally went viral too, by the way. Did it really?
0: Oh, I didn't even even see that. That's so funny. Um, That's hilarious. Um, Folks, Kawhi Leonard won that series last year. Kawhi Leonard was damn good last year, and he's damn good this year. Let's sing the praise of those two guys. You're on the floor. Go ahead and sing the praise, Justin.
1: Well, I'll start by saying, I mean, ditto to what you said. They've been sensational this entire series. Um, And really, the story of the series has been that while Luka Doncic has been sensational, so has Kawhi and PG, the difference has been that the clippers role players haven't really been all that hot while the dallas mavericks role players have been like literally historically great that's the real difference why this series is where it is right now um and the role players finally came alive for the clippers in game three but yeah kawhi leonard and paul george have been exceptional um and they're they what's on their plate is so tough. they have have to play at least 40 minutes a night. They have to be high level defenders and they also have to put the team on their back on the offensive end. And I just can't say enough about them. And it's especially, it's especially impressive with the way that they played. Like the Clippers were down 30 to 11 and they could have let go of the rope Um, Last night and they didn't Um, They showed true leadership and they Showed a true medal that Like a lot of people questioned about this Team Um, a lot of people didn't Think that they had that depth of Like fortitude so that was impressive And you know you said That um, their efficiency wasn't Sustainable and it's Not it's not right but But what is Sustainable is their style of play And I think what's more important than whether or not the shots go in. um, You saw that Kawhi and especially Paul George, they've put a real emphasis on attacking the rim. Um, This Paul George, I think, especially towards the second half of the season, he set a career high in like drives per game and it's bleeding into the first round of the playoffs. And he and Kawhi are just attacking the rim relentlessly and, That's why Paul George is shooting like 50% from the field for the series, even though his three ball has kind of abandoned him a bit. And if I told you two months ago that Paul George would be shooting 23% from three in the first round of a playoff series, we would all think like, "Uh uh-oh, that's not good. But – on the contrary, he's been phenomenal because he's adjusted his game over the course of this season, and he's kind of become a player that's, like, just fantastic. Um, he's attacking the rim with such force. Him and Kawhi Leonard, I I can't say enough about him. Um, And moving forward, that development is a championship level development, especially if we're able to get out of this round. Because Paul George, with his handle and his size, um, he can get to the rim damn near Anytime he wants against anybody. Um, and so that level of force is something to be reckoned with. And he and Kawhi playing their part will give us a chance in any game against any team. And you have to have comfort in that. So kudos to them. They, they've been, they've been splendid. There's not much else you can like say about them. Um, I think Kawhi Leonard has been a little bit messy off the ball mm-hmm. defensively, but that's kind of hard to pick because he's the load he's carrying offensively is so great. And the minutes he's playing is so are so high that like, you know, you expect some slippage, but all in all, a plus performances is a series from both of them. And um, they're the reason why I went out on a limb Like, way before yesterday, um, saying that this series was going to come back to L.A. 2-2. Roll the dice, baby. You put your name behind it. You said
0: roll the dice, baby. 2-2 going back.
1: I was rolling the dice. I was betting that the series would come back 2-2 because... I didn't see Dallas having an answer for Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. They didn't have an answer last year. They don't have an answer this year. They've shown their cards. There's nothing they can do to stop um, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Um, We can't stop Luka Doncic either, but there's a high probability that at some point he'll stop himself because he's not a Steph Curry-level shooter. And once that happens, um, we got the series, so... Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, I can't say enough. I'm grateful that they are Los Angeles Clippers, and I look forward to them carrying us through this playoff run.
0: Yeah, listen, if the Clippers come back and they end up evening this series, you're the one that was the first one to have confidence in this team, okay? I got to admit that going down 2-0, I I did not have a ton of confidence in this team. So I'm giving this to you, no doubt about it. You have been on top of it um, from the get-go. So I'm giving you credit. Uh, the last thing that I want to hit on before we uh, say goodbye, as we look ahead to game four, any big adjustments that you think either team needs to make, um, specifically for the Clippers, obviously, since this is uh, the All Clippers podcast. Offensively, I thought they figured everything out, especially towards the end of the game. Uh, we talked about it in-, in depth, especially with Rondo being a screener and just continuing to need to make shots, whether you're Marcus Morris or whether you are Rajon Rondo or you're Reggie Jackson. Um, And defensively, you seem to hope that they kind of cool down. And like you said in the beginning of the podcast, your good offense will lead to better defense because it'll put more pressure on them each possession. So anything else that you think the Clippers need to do? Um, The Clippers don't have to they don't have to do anything
1: spectacular this is not prime golden state the dallas mavericks have one playmaker who's making a lot of tough contested jumpers you keep it that way and make sure your offense is in order and you should be fine um it sounds like an oversimplification but it's not that deep like the the clippers were down too Oh, in part due to some historic shooting um they don't have to have some fancy adjustments they just really need to hone in on their game plan discipline and make sure that they stay home on shooters and force luca into being a scorer and on offense just be yourself
0: all right well listen i i love having you on there's no doubt about it you are the best that there is man justin wilson at la clippers film on twitter love having him every single time he comes on this show game four tomorrow night hopefully we see the clippers come out and even things up, tying the series at two apiece. Justin, always appreciate you having you on, my man.
1: Thank you, my brother. Next time I'm on, hopefully we'll be talking about um, the Clippers going into the second round against either Utah or Memphis. Go Memphis, by the way.
0: So until next time, I'm Brandon. He's Justin. This has been the Hoopball Clippers podcast. Have a good one, everybody.